Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, I have my friend, Jody Bash, coming to us from Denver, Colorado. Hi, Jody. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Jody is a friend of mine from my years living in Denver. That's where we met. And I personally have been just kind of blown away by what she's doing, by her education. She's an educator. She has a master's in education. But she's gone down the road of working as an empath, an intuitive healer. So I'm not sure if those words mean anything to you and what that means. And we're going to learn about that. And we're going to learn all about Jody's work. But Jody is able to see the energy in the world. She could see the diseases in the body and the, the past life patterns and experiences of an individual or a family. And she uses those gifts to really just honestly help people and heal people and connect people to themselves, to provide clarity and validation and healing to people all over the planet. So Jody, it's really such an honor to have this conversation here. It's definitely a very interesting one. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, may not be exposed to healers like you. Give us a little bit of a background. I'd love to hear how you got into this, what your gift really is, and how you use that. Yeah, I'd love to share that. And thank you so much for giving me the space to do that because it's definitely been a journey for me to own that and to understand what this means. I'm originally from New York. I went to Yeshiva and Modern Orthodox Day Schools. And this was not a career path by any means that I thought that I was getting myself into at any point. It's been really interesting for me. So I'm an empath. I feel what people are feeling. And there's actually probably millions of us. Empathy is one thing with somebody sad and somebody else gets sad, that's normal. That's kind of like how the world works, right? We want to teach empathy and compassion. But then there are people that are even more sensitive and much more connected on a very deep level. So sometimes I'll sit next to somebody who has a headache. I'll take on a headache that actually isn't my headache. And that went on for me as a child. And I know that there's a lot of kids in the world who are experiencing this and a lot of adults that are experiencing things like this, where they're taking on things that are not yours. And empathy is really intense levels of either pain or connection to emotions and feelings. And for a while, all I knew was that I was an empath. So I moved from New York to Colorado when I was pregnant with my son. And I knew that I was an empath. And I knew that I was tapping into some other stuff that I really had no background for because I really had no connection and no understanding of it. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the empathy piece, when my son was 
little, he has sensory issues. This is where we're talking like 11 years ago or so. He had sensory issues. And I remember he was wearing footed pajamas and my feet started to drive me crazy. And I said, oh my God, like my feet are itching and I'm feeling hot and I need to get my clothing off. And it was not me. It was my son who at that point was like four months or five months old. And I just remember being able to tap into what he was feeling. And it was so visceral. It was like, we gave him amoxicillin and I started itching. Yeah. And I was like, well, how am I itching? What is going on? Like out of nowhere. And then my son ended up having these like red bumps on him. And I said, oh my gosh, like he's allergic to this medicine that I had just given him. And I was the one that I experienced symptoms as well as his own. So that is empathy on like a crazy level. When a child goes out of the house and it's chilly outside, I say, put on a sweater. And they tell me, you know, I'm not cold. And I say, well, I'm cold. This is taking it to the next level. Right. This was a new level. So for years, all I knew was empathy. I'm an empath. I'm an empath. I'm an empath. I was teaching in schools. I mean, I've been a teacher for years. But at one point, when the empathy piece got really strong, I remember being in classes with kids and I was hearing what the kids were feeling and hearing and just being tapped into this whole thing. And I had to learn really quickly this idea of boundaries because it's actually not really helpful if you're connecting to what somebody else is feeling without having some sort of boundary in place. And so for years, years, all I was working on was boundaries. Oh, you have a cold. I don't have to have your cold. You're sick. I don't have to feel sick. You're sad or angry you're mad, I don't have to. And for an empath, they have to work really, really hard on that. And some of the people watching might even say, hey, I'm like that. And I'm like that too. And there's a lot of people who are really like that. And so this is just kind of like validation and awareness that what I'm experiencing is not crazy or not weird. And there's a lot of people out there who are like that. So the empathy piece is really what was my introduction almost to this world and to this work. And it's very interesting, even now, when I work with people, I'll close my eyes and I'll feel what it is that they're feeling, because that's an indication for me of where there are blockages in the body. And your physical body is actually almost like a map, almost like a manifestation of what's going on on an emotional level. And so if somebody has throat problems, chest problems, heart problems, even they don't say anything to me, I'll literally just feel it in my own body and know, oh, this is something that I need to work on. And this is a trigger point, or this is an alarm point, or this is something that's going on in their body, whether it's working with somebody face-to-face -face or just kind of working with somebody for somebody else, I will be able to read the body and say, oh, this is what I'm feeling in the body. And so that's how I use that empathy piece now. And then I hang up and say, okay, that's not my stuff. I quickly do a little bit of like a brushing off and saying, okay, like you can have your problems back and I'll be in my bubble and my space because it's really hard to take on other people's problems. That very, that Bubamisa, like that story that our grandmothers may have told us that if you put all your problems into a bag, a little pecola, <laughs> and you put it in the middle of the room, right? You're always going to go and take your problems. Like you don't want to yeah. take someone else's problems. Right, <laughs> right. Well, it's hard because after a while I was learning Yes, I don't want other people's problems because those are connected to their stories and that's what resonates with them. And oftentimes we actually are choosing the same problems over and over, but that's another piece. But it is, people end up taking what they need to work on.
really. And so the most amazing, important advice that I got was from my son's Humash teacher in like second grade. And she said, Jody, just do not become enmeshed. Like your son has his stuff. Do not become triggered and connected and enmeshed. When your son is struggling with something, it's not your stuff. It's his stuff. And that's so important to remember. I thank God for her and for, for that I can lesson. just imagine who that teacher was. I'm assuming. Yeah. That might have been Rifka, our friend. Rifka. Yep, you got it. Okay, I'm like thinking that's a wise thing to say. Yes, I'm actually yes. googling right now as we're talking, like uh, the definition of an empath, right? And there's mm -hmm. a lot, like online. I mean, there's so many books about this, and I never knew. Yes. This is kind of like a, a door into a world that I've never thought about. But the word empathic, I mean, it's a beautiful word. Like it's a great quality trait to have empathy, to really yeah. be there for another person. But I could see as you're talking how intense it must be to yeah. really, really feel so strongly that you see things that you might not want to see. Yeah, and that's the problem, I think, with so many of us that are not as labeled empaths. So in the world, there's a lot of us. And until somebody validates you and says, oh, you're an empath, like you don't have to feel sad if I'm sad or you don't have to feel angry if I'm angry. And then what happens is you start to say, oh, like, phew, like that's not my stuff. But you feel bad, right? So common things are feeling bad, feeling sad, feeling guilt, feeling all these things because if somebody else feels something, then we feel responsible. And so that was my life is feeling somewhat responsible for things, things that I can't even control. And that's really the big struggle that we have as empaths is to be able to say, I can connect with like my bubble, my life, my space, and put up really clear boundaries and say, I can do what I can, but I don't, I, I can't do more if that makes sense, because it's going to break me, because it's going to affect me. And I'm going to say, which is kind of like the next piece. So growing up as a kid, I have this empathy piece, but I also had a little bit of this intuitive piece. So my grandmother is still alive and she's, thank God, and she's 103, which is, I know, amazing. Oh, <laughs> amazing. That's incredible. Wow. I know she says every day is a gift, but sometimes I think I have enough gifts. <laughs> she's amazing. And so my Omi is, um, really incredible. And she went through the Holocaust and she lost a lot of family in the Holocaust. And my father is an only child. And um, when we had family gatherings, they were basically me, Holocaust survivors. Mm -hmm. And they were older than us and it was very heavy. And I remember feeling into that pain on a really deep level because as a child, you know, they didn't speak about the Holocaust really, but I just felt it. And I also felt a lot of heaviness. So when we had these family gatherings, there was, it was heavy, not just not from what they said. And I doubt my siblings really connected to that, but it was energetically heavy. And I remember, um, feeling that there were a lot of people around me all the time that weren't there. And that might be really crazy too, because I didn't know what that even meant. I just, um, I just felt a heaviness. And until I was about 20 and I met somebody who was an intuitive and I said, I'm going to ask you something I never asked anybody in my whole life. And I, I said, I, I feel like there are these really sad people around me all the time. And he said, because he was an intuitive in his like 50s, and he had said, oh, those are just people who from your family who had passed away, who were in the Holocaust or who had sad stories and they're just around you. And I had no concept that anything like that could even exist. It was just, what do you 
you mean? Like, what does that even look like? And that was a crazy conversation to have because I remember telling my parents when I was young, I feel like I see these people that have passed away a long time ago where I feel the energy. I didn't know the word energy. I said, I feel like someone's around. What does that even mean? And there was no answer. I mean, I'm from New York, from Queens. Like I went to day school. Nobody was answering these questions. This was not something that you cover and like, this was not like, oh, sure, you're feeling this way. Let me help you. This was really, I felt very alone and very isolated. And up until I moved to Boulder about 12 years ago, and I took one class about energy and intuition, that was a really big validation for me that there's so much more that exists in the world that I had no concept about and no clue about. And I spent a lot of years not taking classes because I, I am so jaded from other people's like views and experiences that I just said, I want to figure this out myself. And so I just started listening to myself really, and just kind of closing my eyes and hearing like, what is this? Is this right? Is this wrong? What do I do now? And so a lot of this journey, this empathy piece, I mean, I had other pieces. I was working as a director of a Hebrew school in Boulder, and I was teaching middle school science, like while I was discovering a lot of these gifts, this other piece around Holocaust, souls that have passed, connecting to really energy of struggling individuals, it, it became very heavy for me. And um, that went along with the empathy, this other intuitive piece, like tapping into things that we don't know became kind of like really important for me. And while this was going on, I was trying to find that within my own world. Like, how can this be okay? Because like I said, my background wasn't this. My background was pretty like in a box, you know, like Jewish in the box and religious in the box. And I remember asking my rabbi here in Denver, like, what do I do? Like, am I okay? Like, is this okay that I can feel other things and hear other things and connect to other things? And his response was, well, it's almost like Hashem, God sends out all these different frequencies all the time. And we just don't hear that or connect to them all because it's too much. And you're just tapped into a frequency that you can turn on and off and listen that other people can't. And that's how I like to think about this now is I just have access that I think a lot of people can, but it's very overwhelming and it's very intense. It's very hard. I'll tell you as a mom of a three kids to like make lunches and deal with school and deal with math homework while I'm hearing some other stuff. So I really have to shut that stuff off and be present in a different way. But it's been a journey. It really has been a journey of just all these different pieces. Wow. I mean, I yeah. think it's so intense and so beautiful. I mean, when you have a gift, you have to use it. And you yeah. certainly have a gift. I mean, I remember our first conversation when, I don't remember why I called you, but I was lying on the couch and I was doing something on my computer and I just called you about something. I think I wanted to bring you to a retreat in Portland. Yeah. And, and while I was on it, and I didn't know much about your work, so I just kind of curious, I said like, Jody, like, I don't know, tell me something about myself. Yeah. And I couldn't believe I was a little bit freaked out because I wasn't prepared for this. I just remember you telling me exactly how I was sitting. My knees were up. My computer was on my knees. So it kind of looked like you said, like, are you like getting a pedicure or something? Because it <laughs> looked like that because my feet were like down. And you just told me about these people that were surrounding me and how I have so many people in my life. You, you said you see like a deck of cards. 
And at that point in my life, I was recruiting for a trip. I had just finished another trip. I have people coming and going. That's kind of my work. I, I have a lot of people that I'm bringing in. I'm, I'm setting them up. I'm, there's just a lot of people. Thank God. I was definitely feeling very overwhelmed. Just in a second, you just, you were with me. And that was like, wow, there's something to this. I mean, I was like, I was sold. I was just like, Jody, you have a gift. Like that's exactly how I'm feeling right now. I don't tell the future. That is not what I do in any way. I'm kind of like maybe a therapist on like steroids. Like I'll really tell you what's going on with you at this moment, how you're feeling. I provide a lot of validation and look at a lot of past experiences in your life to really pinpoint this is you, this is what you're doing here, this is what you're working on. And it's very validating to have somebody see you for who you are and just be able to breathe and say, you got it, you got me. Because people really want to be seen. We're all in some way or another, like picture a child who's just crying, crying, and they can't even get the words out of what what they're feeling, but we're, we're in some way, we're all just kind of like crying, overwhelmed people. And then somebody says to, let's say this child is crying because he has an ice cream and the ice cream falls on the floor and he's like, ah, and then you say, oh no, you must be really sad because your ice cream fell on the floor. And all of a sudden the kid can like take a deep breath and say, yes, I am so sad and I am so hurt and I don't know what to do. And so I see people for where they are and it's the opposite of therapy in the sense of therapy, you go and you try to understand yourself and your feelings and here without really saying much, I see and I say, this is what's going on. This is what's going on in your life. These are some next steps for you or for your child or for your spouse or for whatever it is. Not because I know it's not about me or my schooling or it's really I'm connecting to your higher self to hear the messages that we should all be getting really that we can't because there's so much noise in the way, you know, there's so much static. So we don't listen to all of that. And that's really what I do. I see people's lives as almost like a book and I see experiences and I see experiences that you've had. And I see who you are as like a you or whoever in your life as as a soul. And I say, okay, this is what's going on. And oftentimes I see these past life patterns too, because your past lives, and this is a very big Jewish ideas like Yilgul, like reincarnation, and even the idea of Teshuva, like the idea of really like repeating things, Shuva, like the Shoresh in there is like, like Shuv is to return, but it's also like you keep going back over and over and over to like similar experiences until we can clear them or heal them. So we either go back with people that we've had. There's, um, we travel in kind of like these soul families. And so my daughter who's seven, she's so sweet. And she starts crying to me yesterday. She's like, Mafia, I just feel like I want to be mean to my brothers because sometimes they're mean to me and they might've even been mean to me in other lives. And here I am being mean to them again. I mean, she knows what I do, but she's seven, but she's pretty tapped in. But it's like this idea that it's not the end of the story. It's like, we're constantly working and working and working. And so we find ourselves and similar experiences over and over. It's like, I have one of my good friends and she's dated the same guy, not really the same guy, but you know, the same version of the same guy for the past like 25 years. And it's been the same with like, so many people find themselves in the same jobs or a rut or being stuck or feeling. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because you are just repeating a pattern that you've had over and over and over. And until somebody somehow shakes up your soul or sees who you are and says, hey, you don't have to work off this blueprint anymore. There's a different one that we can work through. Until you 
there's like a missing piece to shift that pattern until you get to that place. You're living the same life basically over and over and over. And you can live that life for 60 years or 70 years and just keep doing the same thing, right? All of us, I'm sure, have experienced that. My husband has a quote, I think he got it from Tony Robbins. He says, divorce your story, marry the truth. Create your own path forward. You don't need to go back there and like, you know, keep doing this, you know, wheel. Yes, but we do. We do it over and over and over. So we do it in relationships. We do it with business. We do it with, with everything. And what I see is I like to look at root cause. So by looking at root cause, I close my eyes. That's all I do. I don't have like cards or things or crystal balls or like lead pots or I don't know, candles. I close my eyes and I see your story basically. And it resonates. The point is that it resonates because the emotion and the feeling is what you want to pull out of yourself. And basically, so I see stories, I see like old past life stories and I tell people these stories and oftentimes people are crying or people are like, I don't know why, but I, that's right. Like as crazy as it sounds that I was a prince in Egypt, you know, it's basically like, like the point is that it resonates and lives oftentimes continue until you say, wow, like I'm going to be healed. I'm ridding myself of this guilt or this, this cycle or this pattern of whatever it is. And that's what I help people do. I look at those patterns and shift them. When I say shift them, I basically look on a soul level of what that pattern is and almost like create a different ending and put a different ending or create something so that you're not living off that same pattern. We do that a lot. Your soul right now, it's almost like we're all like books, you know, like we say on Yom Kippur, right? There's like, you have your book and we're going to take down your book and Hashem's going to write in this book. And so we all have a book of our story and our life. And we basically are looking at this book and you're maybe all of us are different chapters of our lives of the book of our lives and we open it up and we're like okay chapter 622 you know i had a hundred lives where i lived this pattern over and over and over in different bodies maybe with different people maybe with different but we're really trying to find clarity and understanding and, and wisdom and healing and that's what we keep doing really like over and over and over until somehow we say this is not what's going to continue i'm going to live a different story and you have experiences in the world world like trauma of personal trauma or we have big shakedowns in the world like this thing that's going on now with covid for example where whatever stories people have had now we're going inward and we're really looking at those stories and so covid is like a great example a pandemic is a great example of like oh there's a break in the world like god has said hey we got to shake this up because we're all on the wrong path here <laughs> the path that we've been living on for all these years it's not working so much we need something to shift because we've asked for it almost it's like a reset disease is often a reset it's like a disease in the body and when something goes wrong in the body basically or when something is wrong on a soul level, the body shows and manifests symptoms of that. And that's what's going on with COVID. Um, when I do healings with people, people will cough for no reason or sneeze or yawn. It's a lot of release of energy that they're actually emitting from their body. Um, so sometimes even after you've had big healings and things like that, there's disease that makes you sweat it out or that makes you, you know, like all that. Um, and this is a real thing that people are going through. So it's visceral. It's a connection 
connection of your body and your soul. And so I've had experiences, not COVID, where I've gotten really sick and I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to die. And if anybody here has had really major illness or even COVID symptoms where you feel like you can't breathe and there's that, I believe, and I see it as that oppression, that grief in your lungs, that pain in yourself that you need to let out. Um, and it sits there until the discomfort and the pain sits there until you release it. Um, and so pain is not bad. Like we think pain is bad. Pain isn't bad. Pain is honoring what's already there. And physical pain or disease is saying, oh, I have this and I'm uncomfortable. And what can I do or say, or how can I heal? How can I get through it? Not take a Tylenol. And trust me, I give my kids Tylenol and ibuprofen all the time. But how can I not ignore my symptoms? Yeah. So that's what I'm seeing a lot of now um, in COVID, like a lot of physical pain, a lot of emotional pain, a lot of stuff that's been going on for a long time that resonates on a deep soul level. And now it's like, no, I can't ignore this anymore. But the best words that I've had are from parents or from people who have just said, oh, you know, like I'm really struggling with this and I see a direction or I have some sort of path where I feel empowered and I feel in control. And we, ne we don't really feel in control, but if you have a path or if you have an idea of like setting you on a new way and a plan, we feel really good. So I'm going to just share like a little story. For a while, I really love working with people in comas. And I'm going to tell you this story because it's an example of this. Um, so for a while, I was working with a group of people who were... Um, who weren't able to communicate, who weren't able to talk. And so I was working with the people, their loved ones, to explain to them what they were feeling and what's going on. So this woman called me up and she said, hey, I'm really nervous. And this is the thing that I love to do is kind of like help people move out of a fear-based place because there's no fear. There should never be any fear. Fear is bad, actually. Fear does not help you move forward. And I said to this woman, well, what's going on? And she said, well, there's this guy and he got into this crazy freak accident. It's always a crazy freak accident. And he can't communicate. And I said, well, actually, he wanted to be in a coma. Like, he wanted to be like this. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, he's telling me, because it's not like I'm looking. It's like, he's telling me I was really unhappy with my life. And there are things that I didn't want to do. And I wasn't able to say, I don't want to do this. And so I got myself into a position where he had short-term memory loss. He got himself into a position where he was unable to, and this is what he was saying, he didn't want to do certain things in work anymore and live his life the way that he was living. And so he couldn't create this bubble almost or this space where he couldn't where he couldn't and she had said that's so funny you say that because he has been in this job that he hates for the past he's like a 65 year old man for the past like 40 years he inherited this business from his father and he can't stand it and he's spoken about quitting for the longest time and now he can't remember how certain machines work and how certain things happen. And so he has no choice but to kind of like quit the job and everybody understands because he doesn't have any short-term memory and because he's incapacitated in this way. And I said, there could have been a better way to do this, but this is the way that he didn't have to insult anybody and he didn't have to make anybody feel angry at him. And this was kind of like this passive aggressive way in a weird way, right? Where he got out of his life and he kind of like is now living this great life. And Florida, where he always wanted to move to, and he's just like enjoying his life without living the life that kind of was programmed for him for a long time. And I think about that, and I think, you know, we should all be able to look at our lives and say, 
how can we look at our life and say, wait, I have a choice. I can remove myself from my patterns and I can use whatever struggles I've been given as an opportunity to move forward with joy, with clarity, with understanding, with strength, to be able to live the best life that I have without all the other stuff. And as an empath or somebody who's, who really feels connected to other people or somebody who's intuitive or aware, we don't want to let other people down often. But at a certain time, we have to realize that it's up to me to live my best life. It's up to you to live your best life. It's up to everybody to live their best life. And, you know, my six-year-old said to me two days ago, Mommy, please don't leave me. I don't want you to hike this mountain. I took a sheet of paper and I drew him a bubble. And I said, you are in this bubble. I am in another bubble. Your brother is in another bubble. Like we are all in different bubbles and I will help you in your bubble, but don't jump into my bubble and like tell me what to do in my bubble. And that idea of boundaries and of strength that all of us need to have as a person connecting to our higher selves is really what we need to do in order to move forward and live our best life. And that's what I really hope for. Um, There's so many resources, like, you know, we can look online, we can look to amazing educators, amazing rabbis, amazing teachers, healers, like all these different people who give us insight. But at the end of the day, you're the one that knows what's best for you. So it's just really important to look at that and think about that and, and, and really connect to yourself as much as you can. Just maybe tell us now how we could find you, how we can hear more about your work. Jody's Energy, J-O-D-I-S energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y.com is just kind of a little bit of my story and kind of like the work I do. I'm on Facebook, some Instagram stuff, but honestly, the best way is really to reach out through the website. But if this resonates with you, then you should reach out. Or if you know somebody who's had an experience with me, you should reach out because it's work that it's so hard to explain and you kind of need buy-in. Don't get me wrong, like to get on the phone with somebody who's never met you before and tell you all about your life, that's pretty telling. Like that, that's, that's a real draw right there. But, but you definitely need to be open to this. And I work with people who are really open to this and who this, this soul work, soul work, like deep soul work really resonates. So please, you can email or you can find me on my website, jodysenergy.com and you know, some Instagram, Facebook, things like that. I'm, I'm really, really to great. always connect people to you. Yeah. That's thank you so much. Me. And I'll put, I'll put all your details in the show notes. And awesome. you know, as we're talking, I, I was kind of giggling to myself because as a mom, I feel so much of what I received from my mom has yeah. been ingrained in me. And I'm trying so hard to ingrain that my children. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's like big, beautiful values, but sometimes it's just like ridiculous fears. So it's just like breaking that cycle. And just to close, there's this beautiful Jewish concept and word that we use a lot, which is tikkun. And tikkun means to fix, or it might mean a rectification. And I've always grown up with this concept that souls come down to this world to fix, to rectify. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have this idea of reincarnation. Like we're coming back down because something wasn't completed. There's still work to do. And I think that cycle, that understanding, like the Jewish teachings and also bringing that into our lives, like how do we fix? How do we change? How do we complete something so that we don't need to redo it again? So these are very, very big, lofty, philosophic, and I would say very mystical concepts 
that this in Judaism, and I think the work is really bringing it into practicality. Yes. How to make a change that is everlasting. Yes, I love that. And it's always something that we're working on, but as lofty as it is, it's real. It is real. Like I am living that work every day. Like I worked with this man who was 60 something years old and he said to me, why am I here? You know, in the last five minutes, people always ask these like big life questions. Like, why am I here? And I said to him, like, you've had a pretty hard life. You have to enjoy your life. You have to learn to receive and enjoy your life and know that it's going to be okay. And for people who have had trust issues their whole entire life and trauma for lifetimes, there is something that's so hard about trust and something so hard about receiving receiving and saying, I'm going to be okay. And sometimes that is the work. That's fun work. You know, giving to yourself might be fun work, right? Especially for somebody who's like a narcissist, it's really easy. But for other people who've been struggling and giving to people their whole life, that tikkun, that idea of healing and fixing is, well, I'm going to do the opposite of what my nature is because that will allow me to be equal with somebody else and recognize the beauty of myself. And we say that in in, you know, in davening, we say, you know, we talk about our neshama all the time. And, you know, God has given us a neshama that is pure and that is holy and that is connected. And that is something that we need to recognize. And so other people's stuff and patterns and everything doesn't have to be mine. And I can heal and I can fix not only what your mother's because there's this idea that if you heal your trauma that's been passed down to you, you're also healing ancestral trauma. Like you're healing trauma that your mother has had and that her mother has had. And because we want to believe that that's how it works, it kind of, we travel with the same groups and we have the same experiences. And so to heal that is such hard work and it's so, it's hard and it's meaningful. And everybody who does this work really should uh, like just pat themselves on the back and honor themselves and respect themselves and say, this is hard. And there is so much more appreciation that we need to give to ourselves and to others who are doing this work because it is hard. Well, yes, it's so fabulous. It's so interesting and giving us a lot of food for thought. I want to just end with a, a little yeah. cute story. I think you'll like this. So it's probably like a year or two ago. I'm not sure when. We had a, a large table of young professionals. We had, I don't know, it was like 20, 30 kids, students, family, uh -huh. you know, it was like a big table. It was a lot of work. Let me just tell you, like yeah. the chef and the cleaner upper and the setter upper and all of that. I just remember coming to this holiday table, like really exhausted. And the conversation at the table was tikkun. And everyone went around and was sharing what they want to do for the world. When the meal was over, this doesn't always happen, but at this meal, everyone got up and said, thank you so much. And they left. It was like 12 o'clock at night and I had cooked the whole day. And I remember like looking at this mess. Yeah. Not one person lifted a dish. Right. Like, right. No one helped. Like, I don't know why, but everyone walked out and I was like, okay. And I'm cleaning and my husband's helping. And my husband said, he kind of joked, he said, Tikkun alam, yeah, that's so nice. He's like, tikkun yourself. It starts with you. Like, fix yourself before you want to change the world. And my husband actually went and he printed us t-shirts that said tikkun alam, question mark. And then on the back, it says tikkun yourself. I love like, it. When my husband goes to work out at the gym, he's wearing his tikkun alam, tikkun yourself. But it's 
a reminder yes. to ourselves that like, yes. yes, you know, it's, we want to do big things for the world, but it really, really starts with fixing the little tweaks that need to be fixed inside of us. And if we don't do it, we're going to have to come back and right. do it again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You got it. You got it. And it makes the world so much of a better place because only you can fix you. I yeah. can't fix you. You know, I can look and I can help. And, but at the end of the day, only you can heal yourself, really. And the more each person is responsible for themselves, the more we kind of are able to say, oh, wow, like together we are shifting the world. And yeah. so that's really the deep work. So you got it totally. Yeah. Thank you, Jody. It's really yeah. an honor to know you and to, oh, you know, have this you. connection. And I, I really hope you can help so many more people in the world. I mean, I know you do work in the Jewish world to many, there are many community leaders and Revitsons that have come to you for your work and you've worked with yeah. hundreds of people. I mean, it's just incredible. So you could, you should continue to be well and have strength to guide people, help people. Uh, fix and work and, and do their best self. Amen. Thank you so much, Eva. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you so much for everything you do for so many people and allowing this to be shared with so many people. Yeah, we oh, need to share each other's light. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together. And we together can create amazing, positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.